0: Well, hopefully you have your Bibles, you have your journals. I'll uh, encourage you to turn to some passages this week as we look at an overview of this theme of lament this week. Can I just be transparent? We're heading in that direction anyway, so I might as well start. Um, it's been a hard week. It's been a hard week here at First Family, to be honest with you. Uh, I wasn't supposed to be preaching this morning, Pastor Todd was supposed to be preaching this morning. He, has, he was at a funeral yesterday. Um, so be, please, please be praying for him as he heads home today. And, and for, for myself, just individually, it's been, a, it's been a hard week, just to be honest. And from some of the phone calls and conversations I've had with people in this room, I know that some of you have had a hard, a hard week. And one thing I'm excited about for the next eight weeks is to be able to have those honest conversations rather than ignore them and pretend like everything's great in our lives. This is a family. And one things family do is we enter in when there's pain. We don't hide it, we don't ignore it, we enter in. And so I really want this to be a place where we can share our hurts and concerns As I was talking with Pastor Todd this week as we prepared for this message, one of the things we were talking about was that sometimes churches can unintentionally be perceived as not caring about the pain and sorrow people have in their lives. It's possible for churches to come across as so focused on mission, reaching the nation's or understanding the word of God, studying the word of God, that people think we neglect the inner turmoil in people's lives. We don't want that to be true. See, as good at training and deploying soldiers into God's mission field as we want to be, we also want to be good at triage when our soldiers are wounded. That's what the church should be also And so as an elder of this church with the other elders who lead this church, we want to never neglect the hurts and needs inside of our own people's lives to get our people to be biblically literate or to send them to the ends of the world. We don't want to make either one of those pitfalls where we only do one of them. Both of those should be true. And the reason that is, the reason we should do both is because God cares about you. He cares about you individually. He loves you. He doesn't just care about what you do. He's not just trying to use you to get you to do something. He legitimately cares about you, and he wants you to know that deeply. So as pastors and shepherds, we want you to know we love you too. We care about you, and we desire to live life with you, not just send you. So as we start this series, I hope we will be reminded that one of the purposes of the church is to be a place where we can be real, honest, and vulnerable with one another. That's what this morning service should be. That's what your small group should be. That's what our ministry should be about. That's when you hang out and have meals together, real, honest, and vulnerable, because this is a safe place. So for the next two months, we will take some dedicated time in our Sunday morning services and in our small groups to spend time together lamenting, enjoying the gift that that is. You might be asking, what is lament? What, how, what's this look like? What do I do? How do I engage in this practice of lament? Well, um, technically, the word lament means this, to express or feel sorrow, to weep or to wail, to mourn. That's the technical definition. But let me explain to you a little bit about the Hebrew language and what I've learned as I've been studying this. In the Hebrew, the Old Testament, there are several words for the word lament. It's not just one word. It's actually three words that is interchanged throughout the Old Testament that teaches us this concept of lament, I can't pronounce them or I'd try, but all three of them are interchanged and they all mean the same thing. They all have this idea to express deep pain and sorrow. They all mean to cry out, to wail, to chant a dirge, and lament. So you could take the technical definition, but what the text, the Hebrew text, is trying to teach you is that uh, lamenting is more than just crying. It's actually a different word. It's a different word than just crying. It's this idea of lamenting. It's lamenting is relational. You know, crying sometimes individual, right? You're alone and, and you're weeping, you're mourning. That's crying. Lamenting's different. It's relational, it's conversational. Lamenting is conversing with someone you know and love. It's begging them for help. That's the idea of lamenting compared to crying. Think maybe the last time you ugly cried in front of somebody, right? You just let yourself look pathetic and miserable and sad and depressed. That was lamenting where you felt comfortable and safe and you knew they were there to help if they could. They were there for you. That's the idea of lament. People you know and trust, people who you know love you and care about you. Lamenting is more than just crying, it's begging for help. You see, lamenting is a form of relational intimacy. It's I know you. I know you love me. I know you're safe, I need your help. That's the idea of lamenting. And please understand friends, there is no one you can be more comfortable with than your maker, God. No one you are safer with than your heavenly father, God. Why? Because he already knows everything. You are safer with him than anyone else because he knows. You can't say anything to God that would surprise him. Sometimes you hear sad news, tragic news, and your jaw drops. God's jaw doesn't drop. He knows. He's there for you. You can't tell God anything that would scare him or make him distance himself. There's nothing you can tell them him that would make him be like, oh wow, uh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And there's nothing you can tell God that would make him stop loving you. Have you ever shared news with somebody and they take a step back? I want you to know when you talk to God, when you lament, he takes a step in. He's there for you, he loves you. This is that idea of lament. It's a gift. It's a blessing. We need to learn the gift of lamenting. As I've been preparing and thinking through this, I've been reading a book, and in this, an author named Mark Vrogop says this, to cry is human, but to lament is Christian. That's beautiful. Crying, we'll talk about this in a little bit too. Have you ever cried? And at the end of crying, you feel empty. You're just exhausted. You're done. You've let it all out. You've mourned. You've weeped. You've cried. You've given everything and you're done. There's something amazing about lamenting that's different than crying. At the end of lamenting, you're full. You're filled up. You've been comforted. You've been embraced. God's met you in lamenting. Crying is human. But lamenting is Christian, beautiful statement. And I want you to understand this too. Maybe you're like, Travis, come on. I don't cry, I'm a guy, I'm tough, I throw dirt on it. Like, I I don't understand this. I don't, I'm not sure I need this. I want you to understand this. The lack of lamenting equals spiritual weakness, not strength. If you don't lament, if that's not a part of your spiritual practice, something's missing. I'll say it maybe even a little bit firmer. The absence of lamenting ought to be concerning. Something's wrong. If you don't know, you can lament to God. Let me explain that further. Reasons that should be concerning. If there's no lamenting in my life, I should be concerned. Here's a couple reasons why. Number one, it may mean I don't know God. I don't know who he is. I don't know that he can handle it. I don't know that he's my father. I don't know that he exists. Like there's so many possible answers to why I might not lament. If I don't cry out to God, it's probably because I don't know him. I don't know who he is, what he's done the relationship he has with me, that should be concerning that there might not be a level of understanding on who your father is and what he's done for you and who he wants to be in your life. Second reason it might, that's concerning is because maybe it means you don't trust him. Yeah, I know God exists. I know he's real. I know he's the maker of heaven and earth, but I don't know if he will, how he will respond I'm not sure I can share the deepest corners of my heart with him. If he knew what I was thinking, he'd be mad. If he knew what I just did or experienced or what I'm going through, he might distance himself. Then you don't trust him. You don't know that he's trustworthy. You don't know that he loves you. That's concerning, that maybe there's some lack of trust between you and the heavenly father. And lastly, A reason a lack of lamenting is concerning is because it may mean you don't need God, right? We cry out to people we need. We cry out for help to people we know can help us. Maybe you're tough. Maybe you're strong. Maybe you're independent. Maybe you're wealthy, and you're just like, why would I need God? I got this. I can handle life. I want you to know if that's true of you, if you don't cry out to God because you don't need him, something's broken. You don't know his omnipotence. You don't know his care. You don't know his desperate love for you. And you're self-sufficient. You're not dependent. And God wants us to be dependent on him, love to run to him. He wants to be that father who cares for us, who meets our needs. And maybe you don't know that you have needs. Does that make sense? You might not cry out to God because you've never met a need you can't fix. But I want, you to tell, I want to tell you this, one day you will. If your life has been fairly easy and there's not been a day where you've cried out to God, it will come. And in that moment, I want you to know the gift of lamenting the blessing it is that you can cry out to God and he will meet you in your needs. He will meet you and he'll, he'll, he'll provide for you the gift of lamenting. It's fascinating. I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Lamentations. I want you to know there's an entire book of the Bible dedicated to the idea of lamenting. Lamentations. Lamentations is five chapters dedicated to teaching us it's okay to cry out to God. God in his sovereignty knew we needed this idea. We needed this practice. So he gave us a book dedicated to it. Five chapters dedicated to teaching us it's okay to cry out to God. Actually, it's healthy and necessary to cry out to God. That's the point of Lamentations. You need this. This is fascinating too. You know what in Hebrew, the the real title of the book of Lamentations is? In Hebrew, the title for the book of Lamentations is, how, eka, how. Look at the first word of chapter one, verse one, how. That's the idea of Lamentations, that you have the freedom and you have the relationship with God to dare ask that question. How, God? How can this happen? How is this possible, God? How I want you to know that that question is okay to ask God. He actually wrote a book about it. Understand the deep privilege you have to cry out to God and ask, how? How is this possible? This is the idea of lamenting. When you cry out to God and ask him, how, why? How is this possible? God can handle your house. He can handle You're wise. And the book of Lamentations is so fascinating. I just want to show it to you a little bit. Because when you lament, you display a full range of emotions around people you are the most comfortable with. This is the idea of lamenting. Being real, being honest, being vulnerable. And that means everything And Lamentations is trying to teach you this. Look at the first four chapters. Just kind of skim your Bible, look at it, look at the layout a little bit. The first four chapters of Lamentations are an acrostic poem. Do you see that? I don't know how much Hebrew you know, but you can see the layout of it in most Bibles. It starts with Aleph, and then it kind of works its way down. The point of Lamentations is to teach you, you can go to God with anything from A to Z. There's no topic on earth in in your person that you can't reach out to God with. No matter what it is, go to God. From A to Z, whatever it is, reach out to God. And it addresses all areas of life, Lamentations does. It talks about everything, and that's the point, is to teach God's people God is there for you no matter what. He can handle your pain. He can handle your suffering, and then as we'll look for the next, the rest of the series in the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms does the same thing. Commentaries argue about this a little bit. Bible scholars argue about this. But what they agree upon is this, that at least one-third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. That's what they agree on. What they dis- disagree about is how many. Some commentaries or Bible scholars believe two-thirds of the Psalms or Psalms of Lament. So they're literally the songbook for the nation of Israel that begs the question, how? That's the Psalms. Anywhere from 50 to 100 of these songs written for the people of Israel to worship God are asking the question, how? Isn't that beautiful? It's safe. You can have that relationship with God. You can cry out to him. You can be real and honest and vulnerable with God. I thought about listing every possible scenario and like that could be boring for you. So I just thought I'd use the word lament and just give you a little bit of an acrostic, just like Lamentations does, just kind of give you a little bit of acrostic and help you see how beautiful this relationship is with God and areas of your life that you can uh, scream out to God. So please take these notes, write these down, and I'd love for you in your small group to raise your hand and admit I'm struggling with this one right now. I'm lonely. I'm, and work your way through these. In personally, cry out to God and share your concerns with him. And then in your small group, spend time praying for one another. Whatever is in your life right now that's difficult. I want to walk you through these briefly. So if you have your Bible, so you can turn to Psalms now. And if you want to look these up so you can make sure I'm not lying, that would be good. All right, so Lament. You ought to lament when you are, L, lonely. I don't know what's true of everyone in the room right here, but one thing we know is true post-pandemic is that the next pandemic is that of depression and loneliness. What COVID created was distance from people. And so as we protect from sickness and illness, the next thing we get is loneliness. And for many of our nation is struggling with the pandemic of loneliness. And I'm I'm convinced of it, that there are some in this room today that got dressed this morning, put on some nice clothes, made their hair look good, put a big smile on their face, and they walked into church and said, good morning, it's great to see you. And Monday through Saturday, you were lonely. You work from home. Didn't hang out with any friends this weekend and you're just heartbroken. You're lonely. I want you to know the lonely can cry out to God. He's here. He's near. He's present. You're never lonely if you know God. He's always there for you. And he cares. Listen to Psalm chapter 13, verse one. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Here, the psalmist is lonely. He has nobody and he feels like he doesn't even have God. Yet he knows he's able to cry out to his maker. Say, God, I need you. I'm lonely, I need you right now, be here for me, be here with me. The Psalms teach us when you're lonely, cry out to God, he can handle your loneliness. And I don't wanna underestimate the difficulty and the sadness of loneliness and how God is an answer to that that prayer. The second one is angry. Anger sometimes is one of those things that's like, "Ah, don't be angry. Anger's sinful, and, and, and you, you, you gotta keep your anger down, and right, all those things. It's interesting how often the Psalms expresses the writers being angry. Lamentations as well. There's some freedom and some honesty to share how you feel with God. It's beautiful. I think I grew up in kind of the world of like no emotion, and so I kind of was afraid of this reality, like, I can't be angry with God. I can't, I can't express this feeling until I understand that God knew anyways. I have the freedom to lament to him. He knows I'm mad. Isn't it better to be honest? He knows I'm ticked at him. Why not just express it? Be, God, I'm really mad right now. He can handle your anger. We'll talk about the difference between blaming and angry in a little bit, but God wants you to be honest and transparent with him. Listen to Psalm chapter 12, verse one. Help, Lord, for no faithful one remains. The loyal have disappeared from the human race. I'm it. I'm the only one who cares. They lie to one another. They Speak with flattering lips and deceptive hearts. He's looking at the world he lives in and he's angry with it because there's so much corruption and pain and sadness and, and, and evil and corruption. He looks at the world and he's angry. It's the same response every time I read Twitter. You know, this world's done. I'm so frustrated. And this is what God, it, the psalmist runs to God in his anger and says, God, where are you? Is only evil continually, daily? Is this the only thing that's left on earth? In your anger, you can share that with God. He knows already, and he'll meet you in there. M, mourning. The reality of being sad and brokenhearted, losing a loved one, crying. When you're at a funeral, when you have to say goodbye, those terrible feelings of loss, God will meet you in those moments. The Psalms and Lamentations speak to how God is there for the brokenhearted. He mends the broken hearts. He's there for those that are mourning. Listen to Psalm 31, 9. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted away from grief. Have you been there? Have you ever stopped crying? You've cried so much. You're like, it's gone. Like somebody comes up to you, like, man, you're really keeping it together, you're not crying, you're like, I would. There's no liquid left. My eyes have dried up. This is him, this is the psalmist. I'm so sad I'm done, I can't cry anymore. My eye is wasted away from grief. My soul and my body also, I have nothing left. I'm so brokenhearted, I'm so sad. I've been with some of you in your mourning. I've sat on your couches, I've held your hand, I've been with you when you're mourning. And and, and you know the pain and the anguish that comes from mourning. There seems like there's nothing that can take that pain away. I've, I've mourned. It feels like nothing. This pain will never leave me. The word of God says, go to God. There is a solution for mourning it's your heavenly Father who will never leave you. Maybe it's E, you're empty, you're depressed. Again, this is the, a new reality we have to be comfortable with is depression, this idea that people are so broken on the inside, they're desperate, they're needy. You feel empty. Psalm 42, six says, I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan. When you are deeply depressed, you can admit it to God. There's still stigma around depression, isn't there? You admit you're depressed and you're afraid, getting labeled, and the psalmist is willing to admit it. He didn't seem to fear looks. He was willing to say, I'm depressed. I need you, God. I'm deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan. Maybe it's N, needy. You have needs. Needs. You can't provide, there's not enough, not enough resources, not enough time in the day, not enough money, you don't have a solution to the problem. You've come to the end of yourself. I don't know what to do. Who do you reach out to when you have nothing? Who do you reach out to when you can't solve your problem? You can reach out to God, that's lamenting. Crying out to God for help when you're stuck when you can't solve it. Psalm 86, one, incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am afflicted and needy. I need you, I'm desperate for you. And lastly, T, timid or afraid. Listen to Psalm three. Lord, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Many say about me there is no help for him and God. His enemies are surrounding him. They're threatening to take his life, to destroy him. In that moment, he cries out to God. Have you ever been afraid? Man, there's some people that are just debilitated by fear. Fear just cripples them. In fear, cry out to God. God is omnipotent. What does that mean? He's stronger than your enemies. He's stronger than your fears. He's able to solve those problems. When you're afraid, reach out to God. Church, Here's my point. No matter what you are going through, God knows and cares. From A to Z, it doesn't matter. God knows and cares. You are free to cry out to him. There is no emotional experience that you can't cry out to God about. Nothing. He can handle it. But how you express emotion to God, that's the key to lament. There's appropriate ways to express them and inappropriate ways. The book of Psalms not only teaches us to lament, but teaches us how to lament. And all the Psalms have a basic structure. This is so beautiful. We can throw that up there. This is so profound. Remember that the Psalms were written by, by men, right? But they are inspired by God. So I'm not sure the psalmist understood as they were writing out these Psalms of Lament, but God was using their writings to script for us how to do this. So all the Psalms have this common theme. All the Psalms of Lament have this common theme that I'm not even sure the authors knew they were prescribing. But this is how Lament works, guys. This is how we should do it. Let me walk you through this real quick. And this is not only the framework for the Psalms of Lament but it is a pathway for how we should wrestle with all of life. No matter the seriousness of the issue, this is a great framework for bringing your request before God. When you lament, when you cry out to God, address him, bring your complaints to him. He can handle it. Ask for help. This is what I think I need. And then they always, as we'll talk about, they always should lead to trust, not to emptiness, but to trust. It's beautiful. As we walk through the next seven weeks, as we look at specific Psalms of Lament, you'll see this structure. As only God could ordain, every Psalm leads you in this order, and the point is to lead you to trust. Let me give you an example. You're probably like, again, I don't know if I've ever done this. I'm not sure what this looks like. You have. Let me use the example of the day you were saved. The day you were saved was the day you cried out in lament. You cried out to God for help. Let's explain this. Remember the day you were saved? Can you go back in time, whether it was a week ago or 25 years ago, whatever it was, go back to that time when you cried out to God, the day you were saved, the day you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins. Here's what you did. Again, you didn't know it, maybe, but God was walking you through how to lament. So here's how you were saved. That day, whether it was a friend who led you to Jesus, whether it was a Sunday school teacher, your parents, a pastor, whoever it was, they led you in this very theme. What they did is they told you to address God. And maybe it was the first time you've ever done that. You didn't even know if that was allowed. You didn't even know if that was safe. And they said, go ahead and pray. Pray right now. Pray out to God. Talk to God. And you're like maybe shaking. Knees were rattling a little bit. And you're like... Heavenly Father, you're addressing God. You're crying out to him as the maker of heaven and earth. You're calling him Lord of your life. The second thing you did the day you were saved is you complained to him. You said, God, I'm a sinner. I hate my sin. My sin is ever before me. It's eating me up. I'm overwhelmed with guilt and and anger at my own sinfulness, how I've ran from you. The day you were saved, you complained about your sin to God and God can handle it. The next thing you did is you requested God for help. God, I need you. I need to be forgiven of my sins. I need you to separate me from my sins. I need you to cover my sins. I need you to not, not hold those sins against me. Would you save me? Would you forgive me? And that day, you ended that prayer in trust. And I trust that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life. I trust that Jesus died on the cross in my place. He bore the punishment for my sins. I believe that he is my salvation, my hope, and I trust that he's my Savior. Would you save me? And you left that day empty? No, fuller than you've ever been. A joy and a sense of peace came over you. like, I'm in. He loves me. You see, crying leaves you empty. Lamenting leaves you full. You left tears in your eyes, overwhelmed by the grace and love of God that he would save a wretched sinner like you and a wretched sinner like me. That was the day you lamented. The relationship you have with God is one of lamenting. It started at your conversion and it continues today. One of the things I love about God is that he keeps us in this rhythm of practicing. One of the things he does is he helps us to remember, and that's communion. So right now, I'm gonna ask our ushers if they would be willing to lead us in the time of communion. I'm not done with my sermon yet, so don't get too excited, but I wanna just spend a moment remembering the day you cried out to God for help and he answered you. So if you are in Christ, if you've been forgiven of your sins, I wanna ask you to participate in communion with us. I wanna walk you through those. So ushers, would you be willing to come forward at this time and you can start passing out the communion trays? Communion is this beautiful reminder that lament is normal. It's this beautiful reminder that you're a sinner and you need a savior. That savior is Jesus Christ and now you live in trust and in awe of him. This is what God does for us. This is what he continues to do for us. He saves us and he forgives our sins and he leaves us trusting and knowing he is our Lord and Savior. So we wanna just take a moment as the ushers come forward and pass out the communion tray, guys. Thank you. And as you're receiving those, I want you to take the piece of bread and that small piece of bread that you'll hold in your hand is a reminder that Christ died in your place. Thanks, John, appreciate you. This piece of bread that you hold in your hand is a reminder that Christ died in your place. That when you were at your most needy, Christ provided for you. That when you cried out to him, say, I'm a sinner, I'm desperate, I'm needy, in that moment, Christ provided. And he substituted himself for you. The death that you should have died, he took his place, his physical body. See, this is what Christ does. When you cry out to him, he responds. When you're desperate and needy, he provides. And so, whether it was 25 years ago, last week, whenever you turn to Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, he provided. And so he shed his blood, and his body was broken for you. So, churches, you take your elements and. I'll remind you of the cup real quick while we finish up. The the blood which was shed is a reminder of, of, we'll remember that by the juice that we'll drink. And this juice that we'll drink in just a second is a reminder that Christ met your need. He paid your penalty. Jesus could have died at a ripe old age, but because he died on a cross and his blood was shed, he became the substitution for your penalty. His shed blood is what creates the forgiveness of your sins. And only those who trust in the shed blood of Jesus are forgiven. So I think as we're wrapping up, I'm gonna encourage you to take the piece of bread. And if you know you're a sinner, if you have cried out to Jesus for forgiveness, and if you believe that his body was broken instead of yours, church, would you eat this bread together with me? And church, if you know that the only solution to your sin problem was the shed blood of Jesus, then I'll ask you to drink this cup with me together. Church, let's drink. Let's pray and thank God for his forgiveness. Heavenly Father, God, we cry out to you. So grateful that we as children have the right and freedom and privilege to cry out to our heavenly Father, Thank you for the day of our salvation, the day of our conversion. Thank you for opening our eyes to the reality of our sin and the need for a savior. Thank you for solving our greatest problem. Heavenly Father, we love you because you first loved us. Thank you for sending Jesus, the one and only savior, to take away our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. As we wrap up this morning, I wanna make sure we continue to focus your eyes on how. Lamenting is a what, and we've talked about that, but I just wanna end this morning with a little bit of a how. So I'm gonna throw our take-home truth up there. And our take-home truth is just gonna teach us three things about how. It says this, children of God must learn the gift and spiritual discipline of lamenting because lamenting is meant to lead to trusting. I just want to emphasize a few things in our take-home truth today. Children of God must learn the gift and spiritual discipline of lamenting because lamenting is meant to lead to trusting. If I were to tell you I know a way that will help you grow in your faith and trust in God, would you be interested wouldn't you consider it? Well, one of those ways is lamenting, is to learn the gift and discipline of crying out to God. First thing I want you to understand is lamenting is a God-given gift. See, lamenting isn't new. It's not the current trend that is at the bookstore. It's an old. It's as old as mankind because it was given to us by our maker, Lamenting is God-given. The gift of lament may seem awkward. And I feel like that's one thing I'm sensitive about for the next two months. As we spend time praying together in our services in our small group, lamenting may still feel awkward. And it may be shocking to you that you can be this free to talk this boldly to God. But I want you to know that all great gifts are a little shocking. So if this idea of lamenting feels a little bit odd and distant, lean into that ask God, why am I uncomfortable doing this? Why is this a little bit difficult for me to cry before you, to to be needy in front of you? But I want you to know, this is the type of heavenly father you have. He allows us to cry out to him at any time. It's not only a gift from God, it's a spiritual discipline. I want you to know, lamenting takes practice. It's not something you're naturally good at. Lamenting won't come naturally, blaming does. You and I were born great blamers. We came out of the womb mad at mom. Just frustrated, right? How dare you? Now, warm it wasn't there. Ugh. Lamenting takes practice. So, if it feels uncomfortable, if it feels a little odd, lean in. It takes some work, lamenting will become natural the more we work at it. This is the heart and attitude of someone who understands lamenting. Listen to Psalm 61 too. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. That's a discipline. No matter where I go from the ends of the earth, when my heart is faint, teach me to cry out to you. Something we have to learn to do. When we feel faint, don't turn to a substance. Don't turn to a relationship. Don't turn to a hobby. Turn to God. That's what the psalmist is teaching us. When my heart is faint, turn to God. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Something we must learn to do and practice. And lastly, the beautiful thing about lamenting is its purpose is to lead you to trusting That's the beauty of this practice is the end result is fulfilling, is satisfaction. God provides for you something that crying can't. It's beautiful. If done well, it actually results in greater trust. It won't leave you empty. It will leave you full. And here's why lamenting leaves you full. Crying leaves you empty. Lamenting leaves you full. Here's why. Because lamenting reminds you of God's presence, God's faithfulness, and God's power. This discipline of lamenting reminds you of good news. Many times crying is just sorrowing, right? But lamenting reminds you of good news. God's here, he's near, he's present. He's faithful. A lot of the Psalms quote what God promised in the past. The psalmist will say, God, you told me this. I'm clinging to this. And then it reminds us of God's power that he is strong to save. You end lamenting, trusting in his power rather than empty that no one can save. We're gonna practice these things this week. Friends, It's good to lament. It's good to cry. It's good to cry out to God for help. I hope you will learn to embrace this spiritual discipline with us these next eight weeks. Let it lead you to greater trusting.